Today we're going to take a look at the day that the sun stopped shining. We'll be in Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. If you brought your copy of God's word, if not, there's one in the chairs there in front of you. Luke chapter 23. And I'm sure that many of you have already read an account of, of this crucifixion of Christ, but I'll start here in verse 32 of Luke 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. In my preparation for today, the phrase that jumped out to me, the sun stopped shining. We don't know what that exactly looked like, but I don't believe it was an eclipse. I believe the sun stopped shining, just what scripture says. Another version says the sun failed to shine. The creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who brings light to the sun, hung on the cross. And the big idea for us for today is that complete darkness came 
when all sin, all sin of all time, every person who ever has lived, ever will live, every sin that they ever committed was all placed on one person for one moment of time. And that brought complete darkness. Today we're going to look at that as we look at three aspects of darkness that I believe we see on the cross. The first is that of physical darkness. The sun stopped shining and that brought a physical darkness. You could see it. You could see that there was darkness. And we know that in darkness there's nowhere to, or there's everywhere to hide Scripture tells us so many places that if we're going to sin, we move into a dark place so that we can conceal that sin because we know that if we come into the light, our deeds will be revealed for what they are, sin against God. So we see that there was physical darkness. We're told in Scripture that in the fullness of time, God sent his son into the earth. Jesus came at an exact moment in time that God had designed for that. Things things were all in place that would allow for all the things that had been prophesied to take place. The census for the birth that would put Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. and the method of death that would be required for sin, crucifixion. Arguably, arguably the most unbelievably harmful, damaging, painful types of murder that could ever happen. A time in history where this had been brought to a science, how to make a person experience the most possible pain as they died in the fullness of time. God designed that Christ should live at a time when he would die when the most disgusting of all possible punishments would be placed on him. And in that, we see the physical darkness of men and their deeds. To think that someone could even take the steps to bring that kind of harm to someone else. To do the things to a body that these people did to a body. Oh, we live in a much more sophisticated time where we would never do things like that. But when we look at the cross and when we survey the wondrous cross, we need to realize that the psalmist in Psalm 22 and and the prophet in Isaiah 53 looked forward, Zechariah looked forward and foretold of the type of death that Christ would pay for our sin pierced 
pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Hanging, feeling every bone pulling out of joint. It's amazing to think what the body of Christ endured. That he took on our flesh because the only way to redeem our flesh was if his flesh, if God took flesh and took the penalty that our sin deserved. Our sin deserves the worst penalty that man can imagine. The worst form of penalty that man could ever begin to imagine is the death that is the wages of our sin. And so as we think of the sun failing to, to shine, bringing a physical darkness, it also brought the darkness of what one man can do to another, to a body. We'll do communion slightly differently today. As you come forward, I'd like you to take just the bread then go back to your seat and think about the body of Christ and the type of death that was brought to him. And then we'll take the bread together. Complete darkness came when all sin was placed on one person for all time. A physical darkness. But secondly, we see in Scripture a, an emotional darkness. Do you see it there? The rulers sneered at him. The soldiers came up and mocked him. The criminals next to him. The people shouting, crucify him. The, the people not understanding. Sometimes the emotional darkness feels way more painful than the physical darkness, doesn't it? You've probably experienced both in your life. And I wonder if, as you think of emotional darkness, you think of those times when your heart has been hurt, when your heart has been wounded. And then we stop to think of the heart of Christ, the heart of God, as he walked down the road knowing that he was taking each step in order to secure the very salvation for those who were taunting him, not understanding. How did it hurt his heart to have these kinds of accusations brought against him, to have high priests who, who were to be leading people toward you drawing people away from you. And like a lamb being sheared, he was silent. He offered no defense. The heart of God, the heart of Christ, experiencing darkness. We were able to hurt each other so deeply with our words. We are able to take people and hurt them so deeply in their heart. The blood of Christ was shed.
Scripture tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And it tells us that the life, the life of a creature is in the blood. So as his blood spilt, it flowed from his heart, a heart that had been so deeply wounded, so deeply scorned by those he came to save. Darkness. Not only could he see the darkness, could feel the darkness as he considered what was being said. So as we come forward now for the cup, consider those times as you move towards the front. Dare I say it? Consider times that you may have wounded the heart of God. Remember those and repent. Turn from those. Confess those. Find the forgiveness that he hung on the cross to offer as we come to take the cup. As we consider the complete darkness the final area of darkness is the spiritual, and obviously that's the place where we see perhaps the major part of this battle. As Jesus from the cross, during this darkness in the ninth hour, cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He has suffered at the hands of men. He's suffered at the hands of Satan, and now he's suffering at the hands of God. It was God's will that he should suffer. Now, sometimes we can think, well, that's God against Jesus, but it's not. Because as Jesus suffered, God suffered as well. I can't tell you I understand this, and I can't tell you I understand the Trinity. I can tell you that for all time, forever past God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit existed in perfect relationship and perfect fellowship nothing ever broke that or separated that existed in relationship created us to be in that relationship and by our choice we chose to move out of it. And the only way to restore the relationship with us was for there somehow to be a, a severing of the fellowship within that trinity. And I don't understand it, but it's what Scripture teaches. That in that moment of time that all sin of all time was placed on one person for a moment in time and, and the justice of God and his wrath was satisfied. He had to turn away from his son. Darkness. 
How, hor how horrific was that? There's no way we can know the horror, the horror of the darkness that Christ was in. We've each been in periods of darkness in our lives. And we know the depth of that. But multiply that by billions. Of course, the sun stopped shining. Of course it did. As Jesus Christ made the way for the sun to never stop shining again. Complete darkness came. But in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Psalm 139 tells us, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. So this day, we consider and we stop that between the sixth hour and the ninth hour, between noon and three, the sun stopped shining and darkness was all that there was. And the world was wrapped in that darkness for three hours. But that darkness did not overcome. Jesus overcame. And so we're reminded that nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. God, I thank you for that. It's my prayer, Lord, that each person in this room knows you as their Savior, has come to a point where they have seen the cross and have understood that their sin has been placed on Christ and the offer of forgiveness is available. Knowing full well that once once we step into that relationship with you that's available because of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that we've been redeemed by you, purchased back from sin, and now we belong to you, Lord God. Amen. It's asking for Jesus to be crucified because... That was the foretold way that he would die. And so today, this service, we remember that. 
perhaps a little more somberly than normal. But it reminds us of the price that was paid for us and why we do belong to him. I don't know about you, but I would much rather belong to him than to the one I belonged to before he purchased me. So, Lord Jesus, there's no way I'm worth what you paid for me. Not in my eyes. And it absolutely blows my mind to believe I could be worth it to you. You know me so much better than I know myself. Your body, your blood. Priceless. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for the cross, my Father. for the cross, Holy Spirit, for the sacrifice that was felt in the Godhead for my salvation. I praise you, my Redeemer. I praise you. Amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling, and because of the cross is able to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, friends.